who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plague, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of Grace Center brings you pure and undiluted word of God from the impeccable throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen. That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and it shall come to pass. That's a powerful statement. It shall come to pass. In other words, the situation you are going through right now, uh, the environment you are in right now, the challenges you might have, that thing that is in a, that is deep in your heart and you want God to do, a day will come and it shall come to pass. However, there's a condition. He said, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, if you can be obedient, if you can listen, if you can follow instructions, that which you are going through that look like a big challenge, it will come to pass. Are you with me? In verse 13 of Deuteronomy 28, it says, And the Lord shall make thee the head, come on, say amen, and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, thou shalt not be beneath, Again, look at the condition, if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. To observe, tied to obedience again. Again, you see what it says here, you shall be the head and not the tail. Meaning that obedience can make, and the Lord shall make thee the head. Then it says, if thou, obedience is a maker. Are you following me? Obedience is a setter. I will set thee. Obedience is like a ladder. It's a lifter. And you have to, you've got to understand that. Obedience is key for you in 2020. The six things God gave to us in Shire of Grace Center, these seven things, Part of it is obedience. S is for service. H is for hour. Pray one hour daily. O is what? Obedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13. And it shall come to pass. Look at it again. If you hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. You keep seeing the issue of obedience. Deuteronomy 27 verse 1. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, say, keep all the commandments. Obedience again. Exodus 15, 26. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give air to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee. You see the covenant of healing directly linked to what? Obedience. Leviticus 26, verses 3 to 13. Let me read quickly. It says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, you see the word if, 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 if. The blessings of God over your life is predicated upon your obedience. No matter how many people lay hands on you until your head goes bald. If you don't obey, things may not work. Obedience is key. It's our year of supernatural speed. Yes, you know God also knows, but you must obey. Before the process is initiated in your life. Are you following me here? If you walk in my studies and keep my commandments and do them. Then I will give you rain in due season. Come on say amen. amen. You know what it means to have rain in due season? 
It means that time you need 250,000, it will be your bank account. In due season, there will be rain. That's what it says. So when he said there will be rain in due season, it stops visualizing rain falling from heaven. He's talking about your bank account. He's talking about provision. Are you following me at all? He's talking about a good job when you need one. I'll give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield an increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your treasure shall reach unto the vintage. The vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you will eat bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land. And you will lie down and none shall make you afraid. I will read evil beasts out of your land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. You shall chase your enemies. They shall fall before your sword. Five of you shall chase the hundred. And a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will have respect unto you, make you fruitful, multiply you, establish my covenant with you. You shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt that you should not be, not be their bondmen and have broken the bands of your yoke and made you upright. Look at all those promises. If, that's the first thing, if you obey. Are you beginning to see sometimes when you claim a prophecy or a prayer or something, one big man of God pray for you and nothing happens? If you obey. Obedience is key. Psalm 106 verse 3. We see it again. Blessed are they that keep judgment. Isaiah 1 19. If you be willing and what? Obedient. You will eat the good of the land. You will eat the good of this country in Jesus name. Isaiah 3.10, say ye to the righteous, righteous, it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Righteous means you are obeying God. Isaiah 55, 2-3, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which is satisfied not? He's saying, why, do you, why are you going up and down? Why are you distracted? Hacking diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself with fatness. Incline your ear, come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Jeremiah 11:4, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, do them according to all which I command you, so shall you be my people, and I will be your God. You know, God is there, but you know, God is not God for everybody. God is God overall, but when God says, I will be your God, it's a whole lot of difference. And that's what he's saying here. It's hanging on obedience. Come on, say, I'm going to obey this year. So, having established the fact that all of these things are, you know, lying or dependent on your obedience to God, let's see those seven things quickly. Seven unders that will put you over. Number one, under, stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Stay under. Come on, say with me, stay under the shadow of the Almighty. In the book of Psalms 91, verses 1 to 4, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress 
My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and on his wings. You shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. But the beginning of this is evil dwells. How do you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty? Through the ministry of the word and prayer. Continual prayer, like I said, which is our commitment in Shadow of Grace Center. Some of you might be hearing for the first time, but you can join the crew. You can join the winning team. Praise God. And that is to pray at least one hour a day. It will move your life forward. It will advance your life in no small measure. Pray one hour a day and be consistent with it. Don't try to do the one hour of yesterday today. Mm -mm. Just one hour a day. Jesus Christ, can you not watch with me an hour? He came, he saw them sleeping, he went back and prayed for one hour. Then he came again. Can you not watch with me for an hour? Then he saw them, then he kept on praying. So they, they sleep, they are sleeping. He has to go and pray that one hour that they should have prayed. Meaning that the first time he came, if they had prayed one one hour, it would have been sufficient. But he saw them sleeping, he went first time. He went second time. By the third time when he came, he said, you may now sleep. I've done the one one hour you are supposed to do. And the reason, somebody say, well, I've not been praying all this while. So, well, you've not been praying all this while. You are generally protected and preserved. Why? Because as a child of God, the Bible says, sin he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So he's up there making intercession, intercession for us. But that's a general stuff. To now advance your life personally, specifically as it relates to fulfilling God's purpose for your life, you need to pray at least an hour a day. That is staying under the shadow of the Almighty. An hour a day. An hour a day. Are you following me? We have 24 hours in a day. One hour a day is not too much for God. So we say, well, I've not, I've not even done, uh, I've not even prayed for 10 minutes before. It doesn't really mean. If somebody gives you, uh, 250,000, Will you say, I've not, I've not been given 25,000 before. I don't want. So stretch yourself. Let me tell you, stretch yourself. You'll be praying about a lot of things. Family, home, husband. I know you are not ready for marriage now, some of you. But you can pray for him wherever he is. And God, keep him. Keep him steady. Don't let him be distracted. Are you following me? And when you pray for him, that will reduce the number of exes he will have before he meets you. Oh, you don't understand how this thing works. Are you following me here? By the time you are marrying somebody and he has 25 exes. The guy is not marrying one person. He's marrying alone. It will take renewal of mind and God. Eh? To make that person not to start comparing... Eh, when I was with uh, Shadi, this is not how I used to cook. Ha. This I know how to cook now. God will help us in Jesus' name. So let me tell you, but keep praying. Why should you pray? He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. It also means you won't fall into the hands of 419. They won't ask you to count five junctions. He said, put your back there, count five junctions. So you start counting five junctions from here. When you get to secretariat, five is complete. Then you are now coming back to pick your things. Then you came back and say, hey, what happened? That you enter not. Are you following me? 
one guy came and said, ah, that's how somebody just greeted you. I said, hey, how are you? And he said, I don't know this person. Five minutes after, his phone is gone. I said, you entered into what? Did you pray this morning? That was my first question. Did you pray this morning? You see, rather than for, for that guy, for you to enter into that kind of guy, waiting for you on the road to grab you and make your phone disappear, something will shall happen. You'll be distracted. Inside that, you now feel like going to the toilet. By the time you're out of the toilet, the guy has left. God orchestrates events. Are you following me? Nobody can tell me that God does not orchestrate in the affairs of men. God will ensure you go to the university he wants you to go. That's how detailed God can be. He will ensure you are given birth in the family. You do better than your parents. You will exceed their expectations. And you will fulfill destiny in Jesus' name. I can, can come near. You remember the scripture that says that touches you is touching uh, the apple of his eyes. A particular translation says he that is trying to attack you is poking his fingers into the eyes of Jehovah. What's going to happen to such a person? Person is dead before starting. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Powerful statement. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 36 verse 7, it says, How precious your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 34 verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. The angel of God is always around you, but these angels are always activated when you stay under the shadow by the reading of the word and by the ministry of prayer. Number two, Stay under grace. Stay under grace. Come on, tell you, I'm going to stay under grace. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. The Bible says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says, God forbid. Let me read message translation so that you can understand what this is saying. It says, sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you are not living under that old tyranny any longer. You are living in the freedom of God. So, since we are out from under the old tyranny, I, I tell you, a sinful lifestyle is tyranny. You are missing a lot. It says, since we are out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we are free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? What he's saying is, look, grace is not what is given to you so that you can do whatever you want and say, well, there's grace, there's grace. You fornicate, say there's grace. You point us all over the place, say there's grace. That's not what grace is meant for. Grace is not meant so that you can start perpetuating yourself in sin. Grace is to keep you from sinning. This is what grace does. It will deliver you from all the sins you have committed and then take you out and give you the power to live over sin. So this idea of hyper-grace message going about on social media at the time, that grace covers it. Sleep with choir member, grace covers it. Eh? It should sleep with assistant, grace covers it. Grace does not cover it. 
You know why? You know why there's no judgment for such people? Because they're in church. That's why there's no instant judgment. But but somebody can be in church and then open his eyes one day to find himself in hell. In other words, coming to church, which is a local assembly, there's corporate anointing. And that corporate anointing can protect you while you are sinning. And you will think there's nothing wrong with my lifestyle. A lot of people are in that deception. You can, you can be in church into hell. That's what I mean. So you've got to understand this. That the grace of God is not a license to continue living in sin. But no, to stay back from sin and live above sin. Otherwise, why did Jesus Christ die? Imagine if grace is for us to continue in sin. Then we are in trouble. We are in trouble. All the choir members will be pregnant for pastors and assistant pastors and HOD. Abortion will be going per day. Regularly. Because we are under grace. That's not what it is. People will be cheating in their place of work. Husbands cheating on the wife. Wife cheating on the husband. Because of grace. And I've met men that I'm trying to counsel. And I'm trying to say this is wrong. You see, there's grace. You see, Pastor, you don't understand grace. I say, you, you are the one that is confused. Get back into the Bible and see what the Bible says. Is it not clear enough? Since we are out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? It's asking you. It says, since we are free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? The freedom of God is not to release you into that freedom of doing whatever you want. You feel like having sex with prostitutes, you go and meet prostitutes. See, there's one guy that used to criticize a lot of, just criticize people on, on social media. He's always quoting scriptures and rambling scriptures. The day I met him, sleeping around with prostitutes. Not just even girlfriend, prostitutes. And I said, part of your problem is the critical spirit you have. You are doing this and then you are busy criticizing other people on social media. What a decep- what a grand deception. Are you following me? Grand deception. The grace of God is to save us from sin. Are you following me? May the grace of God work for you in Jesus' name. Grace is not divine permission to do wrong. It is divine empowerment to do what is right. The Christian was never intended to be a slave of sin. The law never gave man. That was before grace came. The dispensation of the law. The law never gave man power to overcome sin. It merely defined sin and revealed to man that he was already a sinner. But when God's grace came through Jesus, it not only liberated man from sin that already been committed, but it empowered the believer to rise victoriously above not only the penalty, but also the power of sin. Without this grace, you won't understand the love of sin. You'll find yourself going back into sin and doing the same thing over and over again. You've got to understand grace and embrace grace, that by the grace of God, I can overcome this sin. Are you following me here? Because it's a ploy of the devil. Let me tell you. How this thing works. The moment you give your life to Jesus, 
You're on the way to heaven. Period. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You become a citizen of heaven. By that confession. The devil knows this. He knows he lost you the day you gave your life to Jesus. But he doesn't stop fighting. So he says, he's on his way to heaven, but what can we do? Don't let's disturb him about not giving his life to Jesus. Mm-mm, leave him. What can we do to distract him so much to the point that he will lose that heaven at the end of the day? Are you following me? So it brings the person into a place of deception where the person begins to live, serve God, and also live in sin. It's a, it's a deception. So the person comes to church and prays the Holy Ghost. He gets back home to go and point nozzle. Are you following me? As if it's a petrol station. Then he comes back. Every of his prayer begins with love, forgive me my sins. I know you can come anytime, forgive me. After prayer, he goes back home. He does what he wants to do. It's a deception, people of God. It cannot work. You know why it won't work? He said, no unclean thing. He says, abstain from all the works of the flesh. He mentioned fornication, wrath. He mentioned all those things. Do you know one of the greatest decisions you can make in life? It's telling yourself the truth. You sit down and say, oh boy, look, look, look. This cannot work. There's no point. Some of you need to tell that to your boyfriend and girlfriend. Living in sin. Every time it comes around, you know what you do. She will tell him, this is certainly not going to work. There's no point. Why will I live 90 years on this side of the world and miss eternity that was not going to end? And notice that God didn't say you should not have sex. He only said don't do it outside marriage. Do you know? And you see, God is trying to protect you. Do you know that uh, God spoke to the children of Israel that I don't want you to marry anybody outside Israel. You remember that scripture in the Old Testament? He said don't marry from uh, all, the, all the Canaanites. All the, he said don't marry from them. Marry your tribe there. Do you know archaeologists discover bones of those Philistines, Canaanites, and all those people that God said don't marry from there. They discover their bones and they subjected to the test and they found advanced cases of meningitis, of STI in the bones. So when God says don't marry from me, I say, ah, and there's fine girl there. Oh God. God is trying to protect. So imagine there's God says premarital sex is allowed. We're in trouble. An average six year old girl is pregnant. And the one that doesn't want to get pregnant, abortion is going every day. So God is trying to protect. And he didn't say don't have sex, he only said don't have it. Outside marriage. Let me tell you the contradiction that pastors go through. We are telling singles, don't have sex. Don't have sex. They want to have it. 
We are telling married people, have sex. Have sex. They don't want to have it. You see the problem? An average couple, I'm, I'm pastoring, eh, it does not touch me again. Eh, she does not. And you single, I wonder, hey, kido shewo, hey, I didn't be ready. Ha! My own wife, Daro. Ask couples around you. Yeah, Mr. Biodo is married there. We have a couple here. Go and ask all the couples we have. There's uh, Mr. Lannibal is there. Marriage is not all about sex. Sex is the last thing sometimes. Let me tell you guys, you won't believe this until you are married. Sometimes your wife will touch you and like, oh no, 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 no. You are like, hey, me, no. Ah! Wait till you are married. Why? Because you are thinking school fees. You know, as a single, you have no responsibility. No, I mean, daddy will send money. No responsibility. The moment you get married, it's a game changer. Even before you start giving birth, a whole life is in your hands. Husbands don't go to wives that, eh, what shall we eat? Pepe has finished. No, wives go to husbands. When they say the husband is the head of the house, you think it's, it's, on, it's something honorable. No. It's, resp- it's headache. The bigger the head, of the, ho- the head of the house, the bigger the headache. So when you are newly married, you can shout, I'm, don't you know I'm the head of the house? As you grow older, that phrase disappears. We're actually in charge of the house together. <laughs> are you following me here? You are in courtship. Eh? Want to kiss? Want to... Hey! Hey! If you are hungry, where do they sell for more? It's market. You cannot grab a sister and turn them out to come. No, 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 no. Are you sister? You submit your lips as you are submitting paper in exam. Somebody let's kiss you. What? The power of life and death lies in your mouth. Use the mouth to be kissing up and down. How, how will you even be creative? You can't write for up news. You are kissing. <laughs> That's why you, you, are, you are busy kissing. Where have you been? I, I, I went to meet a kisser. What you will do and you will be tired in marriage. When I mean you will be tired, I mean you will be tired. I tell people when I, when, when, when I join them in marriage, I say from, on, from now on, all the things you wanted to do, that I've been counseling you, I say calm down. I said, don't even go to work again. Stay at home, be kissing. For money, if you stop kissing, for money tonight. Don't go to work. Stay at home. When hunger knocks, you will, you, will, you will tie your shirt. And... Are you following me here? So, let me tell your brother beside you, cool temper. Just calm down. Cool temper. The girlfriend you are even kissing, you are not sure whether that's going to be your wife. How many people do you want to kiss before you now marry? You are not sure. And some people, I mean, 
I, as a pastor, my ears have heard it. Some people just say, Pastor, you know, I just feel like kissing. I say, Who? With who? <laughs> counseling, during counseling session. Pastor, I feel like having sex. I appreciate the fact that they are truthful because if somebody is not truthful during counseling, you can't help them. Some people are absolutely truthful. I'm telling you, in counseling, you say, Pastor, I feel like having sex now. So I will counsel them, give them scripture, go back home, pour water on your head, pray in the Holy Ghost. Some people will feel like having sex. They will be they say, no, we are, we are, no, 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 I, we, we are, we don't, uh, we are not, we are not that kind of, you know, we are above such them. Because you are the HUD or assistant HUD of sanctuary, you don't want to expose yourself. Eh? Come and say, God help me. So as a pastor, I'm telling singles, don't have sex. I'm, that's why we want to start couples meeting in uh, February, first Sunday, February in the evening. It's just couples. So that we can talk to ourselves. All these singles are confusing us. Or well, I say don't have sex. And the married and the married couple are there. So between married married couples, there is always one that wants more sex than the other. Most of the time. Not every time, but most of the time. So by the time I'm talking to singles don't have sex, the one that doesn't have sex, you see now. But I'm not talking to couples like that. Are you following me? There are times there won't be sex, one week, two weeks, and you are not fighting. It's, there is no quarrel. You just want to make it in life. <laughs> or maybe you are fasting. Praise God. Number three, keep Satan under your feet. Keep Satan under your feet. In Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the Bible says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In other words, when Jesus Christ came and died for us, Satan has been bruised under our feet. But now we have the responsibility to keep Satan under the feet where he is. You don't give him allowance. In Ephesians 1, 22-23, it says, And he has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the devil is right there under our feet. We mustn't, by our carelessness, allow him to get out of under our feet and start to dictate for us, or start to give us, a direction through which our life should go. It should be under there. Number four, keep your flesh under. You know there's a difference between the devil and the flesh. Sometimes it's not the devil tempting you, it's just your flesh. Every problem you go through or you have is not the devil all the time. Sometimes it's your flesh. So you have two things you are dealing with. You are dealing with the devil and you're dealing with your flesh. Are you following me? So if you look at the Bible in 1 Corinthians 9.27... This is how to deal with the flesh. He said, I keep under my what? Can somebody shout under? Under. And I bring it into what? Subjection. How do you bring somebody into subjection? Kneel down there and don't move from there, my friend. I said, you you stay there. That's subjection. I said, stay here. You are not moving from here. I'm going out. When I come back, I want to meet you here. That's how you deal with the flesh. You don't respond to everything the flesh is crying for. 
Because what the flesh is crying for is against what God wants. The flesh lost it against the spirit. The flesh and the spirit can't, they can't work together. They can't, they are not on the same direction. He said, whoever is carnal, Romans chapter 8, if you are carnal, you can't please God. If you want to please the flesh, you can't please God. Are you still with me? I keep under my body and bring it to the world. That's bringing something to subjection is not easy. It's not easy. And Dunamai comes to me now and wants to bring me to subjection. It's not going to be easy for him. Are you following me? Some of us, we've allowed the flesh to grow stronger than us. So the flesh cry, masturbation, you rush into the bedroom. Guess who's in charge of your life? Your flesh. And as long as the flesh is giving direction to your life, you'll never be able to attain the fullness of the potentials you have in God. If you look at everybody God used in the Bible, it's a life of discipline. It's a life of what? Discipline. The profession of pastoring is a life of discipline. That's why God doesn't start you out as a, as a pastor with uh, five or ten brand new cars. He wants you to grow into it. But you will, that you will prosper is not in doubt. But you have to grow into it. And everybody's growth is dependent on how you are dealing with your flesh and how you discipline your flesh. A pastor who doesn't pray in the morning is careless. And God knows your carelessness will kill you one day. What's the devil will kill you soon. So the only way is that God will allow some pleasures not to come quickly. Because if those pleasures come, you will think your prayers have been answered and your present lifestyle is acceptable to God. And you keep on, you just end up ruining yourself. So there will be a downside. Some things you are praying for and seeking for and God will refuse to answer deliberately in order for you to press into him the more and to see that this thing is battle, is war. The Christian life is not a life into Aye Jelenke. Are you following me? Where everything is yours, you know. Do you know there is nowhere in the Bible where the Bible promises you there won't be trouble? Have you read the Bible very well? He said, I will be with you in what? In trouble. He didn't say trouble will come. He could have said, I will save you. No trouble. No, he said, I will be with you there. But there won't be trouble. Forget it. There will be trouble. But he said, I will be with you. Why would there be trouble? So that your faith muscles can be built. And you can believe God for more. How will Archbishop Bessie also be in a crusade ground? And rain is falling heavily. And he said, don't worry. The rain will stop. And he prayed. And said, rain, listen to me. You stop now because we are having crusade. And the place where they are having crusade, in that place, the rain stopped. If you look outside where the crowd ended, rain was falling heavily. How did he get there? God built his faith muscles. He didn't start one day. God built his faith muscles. Trouble is there to, for you to, to be built up. Are you following me? All the challenges you have with flesh is opportunity to prove yourself to God. That you are ready to be used of him. Because he said that is faithful in little will be set over much. Lay no hands suddenly on no one. That's what the Bible says. God will not just pick you up and make you Jew. 
Because you are going to georize the life of many people if you do that. You, are, you, will, you will mess up destinies. Somebody can come there to you and say, you are suspended from Christianity. Ha. Because you did not grow into it. God made the first man a full man. He didn't grow. A lot of people say that's why he messed up. I don't know. But he was made a man. And God said from now on, you can't give back to a man. You have to give back to a baby. Let them start and grow into manhood. When you give your life to Jesus, you are a baby spiritually. That is why the Bible talks about the meek of the world. And this is why when I come here, I'm trusting God to help me to teach and preach so that I won't be above your head. There are a lot of things I know I can't teach. I, the Holy Spirit will just constrain me not to go there because it can be above. In school of ministry on Tuesday, we go deeper and talk about deep stops. Are you following me here? So you grow as a little baby in the realm of the Spirit. And part of your growth is how you deal with the flesh. How you deal with the flesh. If you don't deal with the flesh, you can stop your, your, your glorious future. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. As a student in the university, I was struggling with masturbation. I've told you this story over and over. My time is up, and I'm just in number four, but I'm going to end it here, and I will try and finish up on Wednesday. Those of you that miss Wednesday, try and be around. Say, I close by six. You can still come, because message starts around seven, okay? So be around on Wednesday, I'll complete this message. So I was struggling with masturbation, and masturbation began when I was 19, because I was reading a book, and the book told me, it said, that's why you don't read any kind of book. He said, 95% of boys are masturbating. The remaining 5% are telling lies. What does that mean? Everybody's masturbating. So I told myself, something's wrong with me. And that's how it began. At the age of 19. Now, and it continued 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Now, I'm, I'm an apprentice pastor learning. I didn't know I was going to be in ministry or anything, but I was just doing the things of God. And one day God spoke to me as I was reading the Bible. He said, you've got to stop this. You've got to put your body under. under. He said, if you don't stop it, your shame will be open to all. I said, what? Shame. Open to all. I didn't understand what it meant, so I stopped. I stopped for six months. Until I find myself there again. So, the following day when it happened, my pastor sent us to Shagamu where to go and start a fellowship there. So, sent like five or so. So, we went there and we're there and we're praying in the room of a medical student, a lady. We're holding hands in a circle and we're praying. And before we started praying, I was looking at a fan and I said, this fan, why is he making sound? Kem, Kem, Kem. He said, ah, that the fan is older than her. I said, eh? He said, because her grandmom gave the fan to her mom and her mom gave it to her. I said, wow, it must be a very strong fan. So we held hands and we were praying. As we were praying, the fan gave way. The fan fell down. As it was rolling on top speed, it fell. Not all the five of us. Do you know how they killed this guy in Iran? 
You didn't watch the video. You didn't watch the video. You didn't see the video. Ah, check it online. They killed the guy with drones. Those drones were so precise. Even those that escaped and were running, the drones eh, was meeting them. And the drones were so powerful, they were, they were designed to deliver maximum damage. Well, when the drone gets to them and explodes, the first thing is that blades will expand. Eh? The blade will first of all slice them before it explodes into fire. So the chances of es- that, you are, that you have fire burnt and then they took it to hospital does not exist. People that were killed in that video, they couldn't be less than 30. What was coming on the entourage and people were... So when, when they hit the scalp, some people got out and were running. Oh my God, those drones were coming. Going after them. That fan, eh? like the drone, it didn't cut anything. It didn't cut me to two. But out of the five or four soldier hands, the fan located me. I was the only one. Five people in a circle Fanned with three blades. The only person. Ah. So the blade hit me on the face. And gave me a deep cut here. On my upper lips. In less than two seconds, blood was everywhere. If it was only blood, it would have been good. She would have put plaster at the end of the day. My head was getting bigger. And bigger. Samuel, you are laughing at me. Okay. <laughs> In a few minutes, it was as if I have two eggs. I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, God. All the brothers and sisters, I said, the devil is a liar. Inside me, I said, eh. this is not the devil. It's God that sent the drone. Now, so I told them, of course, evangelism has stopped. They can continue. How do you evangelize with two eggs? So I went back, came back. And I went to my pastor's house straight to let him know what has happened and to give me permission to come to church the following day. He, he patiently listened to my explanation. So I said, Sir, boy, that you should please uh, exempt me so that I won't be in church tomorrow. He said, No. You will be in church. That's how he talks. You will be in church tomorrow. I said, Sir. With, he said, you don't know whether God will heal you. You will be. Ah. <laughs> and he said, you will sit in your normal position. What's my normal position? In that church, the technical department is at the end of the altar, behind. Eh? And I'm the one that usually sit there. Like Joshua is sitting at the back now. I'm sitting in front, facing everybody. You, that thing, there is no way to put plaster. You cannot bandage it. So I sat there like that in front of people. One hour of sermon. Everybody was looking at me. They were not looking at the pastor. I could see them asking themselves. They used to call me Pastor Do. You know the ah, Pastor Do. You know she Pastor Do. And as I sat there, people were looking and exchanging glances and I was listening your shame will be open to all 
needless to say, as I was going on, you know how you do something, you know why it happened, and then you are attacking God again. I said, God, this is embarrassing. I'm supposed to be your servant. How can you allow this? And God said, What if it's your eyes? God told me. He said, Oh, because I preserve you to witness. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, what if the thing crashes your skull and you are dead on the spot? So, nobody told me. That's when I know I have the power over the flesh. Because about two weeks after, again, they urged for masturbation. I said, hey, <laughs> People of God, that was the last time. I'm not kidding you. This was several years of courtship after. That was the last time it ever happened. Later on, God married a ministry. Then God gave a ministry to help people, especially people who have issues with masturbation. It's just one prayer, two minutes, and it's over. And I'm beginning to think, no wonder God wanted me to deal with this. If I didn't deal with this and I got married to that, what would I tell those people that come? I said, well, uh, masturbation is common to all. Uh, just continue till you are married, maybe. Well, you know, masturbation is beyond the issue of being single or married. There are people who are married and are not satisfied with sex with their wives until they masturbate. So they come to me for counseling that after uh, they have sex, go back and masturbate. Pastors come to me for counseling. It's a terrible habit. So I'm trying to point out to you that the greatest area of your temptation now is also the area God wants to use you. If you don't stand your feet on the ground and overcome it, you can jettison your future. Because he said, look, he said, you have been comforted so that with the comfort which you have been comforted, you can comfort others. So God came to me and comforted me and I was able to overcome. Now I'm able to Give the comfort out to others. Whatever you are able to overcome, you become a master at mending for others. Whatever you continue to struggle with will not only slow you down, but will deprive you from helping other people around. So it's inevitable you have to put your flesh under. Let's see the next translation that is there and I'm going to pray and close. Next slide. No, 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 no. Go back. I thought I put amplify there. Oh, give us amplify. Can you get amplify? Or message? Or oh, let me read it. Let me read it quickly and then we close. Amplify. Can you get it? Amplify says, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. Listen, I handle it roughly. And discipline it by hardships, and I subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. So you buffet your body, you drag your body up to pray the Holy Ghost in the morning. Your body says, Ah, I'm tired, I can't. You drag it up. Our bishop Bessie Dowser was asked, that, Sir, when you pray. You know, Archbishop, his life is wonderful. At the time, he prayed the Holy Ghost for three days, non-stop. He was asked, how do you do it when you want to pray in the morning and your body is so tired with your busy schedule and your body doesn't want to get up? He said, my body doesn't get up, I leave it there, but I will pray. 
That's how practical. I say, I, that I will not pray, forget it. So that's what you do. You drag your body. And let me tell you, no matter how sleepy you are, if you walk for five minutes, you'll be alive. But at that moment, when you are feeling so sleepy, you'll be like, ah, impossible. And as some of you now deceive yourself, you now lie down to pray. So your prayer becomes, yeah, yeah. Then one mosquito will wake you up 10 minutes after. That's not prayer. Can you go, can you go in front of your dad? Actually, dad, say, daddy, uh, in school they asked us to uh, uh, that is looking at you after five minutes to, to bring money for uh, if I were your dad I will look for the next available case <laughs> so that's what some of you do with our father in heaven you are praying I say hey, hey, hey. some of you <laughs> You calculate your one hour with the time of bathing and brushing. Inside the room. See, that's that, my friend. Stand up, let's pray. Praise God. Dedicate that time to God. Dedicate that time to God. You will see honor and order coming into your life. I'm telling you, my children and my wife, everybody in my house, they are blessed because I'm the one like that is like the military commander. I was, I'm the one that wins them every day. Ask them. Every day, I will ring bell, ring bell. If they don't listen to bell, stand up, stop, stand up, stop. <laughs> Some of them, don't let me talk. Some of them, no matter how many times, ring bell. Did you hear the bell? So I did not <laughs> Discipline yourself. Tell your neighbor you can do it. One eye a day, one eye a day. If you do it for one, two months, nobody will tell you to you will nobody will tell you to continue. You will just see things happen in your life. On auto drive, readings of grace. You just see that struggles are beginning to reduce in your life. You just find out that you're, you're not getting into trouble like you used to be. You just find out that uh, some of the lineage problems you, you said you thought you had, and ah, I will not fight this battle. I will not go for deliverance. All of them are dissolving. There's nothing as powerful as giving your waking moments into prayer for God every day. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Turn to God. Ask God to empower you, to strengthen you, to do His will. This is the end of the message. We believe you've been blessed. 
Join us at Shouts of Grace Center on Sundays and Wednesdays at Joker Plaza, Ibadan. God bless you.